LFG people. Hello and welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm Mauricio Magaldi and this is episode 173, where I'm joined by my amazing co-host Kai Sheffield, head of crypto at Visa. Hey Kai, how are you doing? I am doing great. We've got some amazing guests today. Excited to get into it. Awesome. So this is an insight show. So we're going to be talking uh, about DAOs, taking a deeper look at them. It's almost been a year since we published Insights episode 146, Deconstructing DAOs. However, this world moves very fast. It's ever-evolving, and we thought that it would be about time that we revisit the topic to see what progress uh, has been made. And now we are going to try and shift the focus to consumers in that context. How do they go about learning about uh, the space, what challenges they face, how they are addressed, and what they can expect in the future. And to dig into this, we're also joined by Connor Svensson, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs. Welcome to the show, Connor. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. We're also joined by Koki Haziotis, founder at Twali. Hey, Koki, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be on Blockchain Insider. Awesome. So before we dive in, just as a reminder to the listeners, the views or opinions of our panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of the companies that they are representing. And as always, nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial, or legal advice. So do your own research. Let's get started. So we're going to start off from the top, kind of uh, bring everyone up to speed. And for listeners who might not join us in the first round last year, uh, let's get a quick recap of what DAOs are. So let me start with you, Connor. Um, what, how can you define DAOs uh, in a nutshell for the listeners? We'll start with the, the very basics in terms of the, the word DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And really what it is, is that it's a, a structure or a collective that exists as code on a blockchain. So the best way to, I think, think about it in concrete terms is if you have like a a business for instance that has a legal structure that is recognized it has assets associated with it it has employees directors and so on and so forth what a DAO is is a codified representation of that that exists on a blockchain such as ethereum got it and why do we think they are important? Uh, we had a conversation the other day where uh, Lex, Lex uh, Sokolin from Consensus mentioned that they are a new primitive for Web3. So, Koki, why, why are DAOs important? I actually would go to a much simpler place than, than Lex went there and, and say that, at least in the U.S., um, DAOs represent the first real update to corporate structure since Wyoming introduced the LLC in sometime in the mid-70s. Uh, bear in mind that the 50 states didn't adopt the LLC completely until 1994, and that was still almost 30 years ago. Um, DAOs are an opportunity to challenge the status quo for the first time and how we organize in a corporate fashion. I think the, the other thing I think about here is like, I often think of Web3 as a renaissance, like the Italian renaissance, for instance, right? It was a period of cultural explosion, uh, marking the transition from the Middle Ages or Dark Ages to modernity, marked by a proliferation of art, culture, uh, invention, uh, in kind of response to a majorly repressed period of history. I think of Web3 as kind of, broadly speaking, the same thing. Like, renaissances often bloom from discontent, right? Uh, people were discontented 
by the financial system, their government, and some of the devastation wrecked by uh, late-stage capitalism. And Web3 offers us another path. It's telling us we can innovate, we can create, and we can build something better. So I think of this as kind of like Renaissance equivalent. And this is like almost as if uh, we finally have the base level for invention and innovation. And, and DAOs are really just a component. And they're important because they're just a change in structure and offer us this opportunity to actually be inventive. I know that was a rant, but that's what I think. <laughs> no, I like I like that. I really like the the whole Renaissance thing, and it, it feels that now we can mark Renaissance with numbers because we went through Web two and now we're in Web Web three. Uh, Kai, um, we've we've spoken about uh, DAOs, you know, a few times here and there, sprinkled uh, through to the to the shows. But what are your favorite examples of interesting DAOs? Yeah, so I I think it's interesting that it's now been a, a year since it feels like Constitution DAO maybe one that has gotten the most uh, publicity, um, where that was actually, that was last November when a, a group of people on the internet tried to get together to, to buy the constitution. And it was this really chaotic, you know, many people involved contributing funds, high gas fees, like you know, a lot of things happening at once. And and part of the, the question that, that I have that it's still not very clear to me is, how much is the autonomous nature important? When you say like a decentralized autonomous organization, like is there this line that makes, what makes something a DAO if you have a group of people organizing online like Constitution DAO did, they didn't really have, you know, a, autonomous code that was making all the decisions for them. They're still old fashioned, just debating and trying to come up with ways to, to make decisions. And so Connor, you kind of mentioned like this piece of its its code that makes it useful and, and important. Do you still consider it a DAO even if everything isn't happening on chain? And like, how do we, we delineate between, you know, how autonomous something is or not? So I think stepping back to, you know, I guess some of the pieces that represent a DAO can help us think in terms of, you know, what, what makes it or not. Like the whole concept of a DAO was really first articulated by Vitalik Buterin in uh, the Ethereum white paper, where he spoke about this this idea of having an organization that can exist on a, a blockchain type structure. So, I think when we talk about DAOs, is it, that typically is like the a key component of it that you have code that exists on a blockchain, uh, that and the blockchain itself is a public decentralized ledger technology. And so there's people who kind of rally around that. And uh, the, it's in effect a community, but they have a, a shared sort of common belief. Uh, and then, you know, with that, in order to the, the, the DAO itself provides like a, a foundation. Um, that exists in a decentralized manner that uh, makes use of a couple of key components, I guess, to support the decisions and the actions of this community. Uh, that, that, that includes the, the, the treasury function, Web3, a big part of it is cryptocurrencies. You can have this DAO structure. It has like a, a shared wallet, which is typically like what's called a multi-sig wallet, which I'm sure listeners here are familiar enough with. And that can, in effect, hold the treasury for it. But then there's some sort of governance system associated with it where decisions are made. Uh, but yeah, I, I think as um, Kokia alluded to earlier on as well, there's, there's, there's kind of like a 
you know, a, 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 bit, a bit of a kind of, there's certain brittleness there because you, you have this stuff that happens on, on chain, but not everything can happen on chain. You kind of have real world people in interacting and you make a decision that affects the treasury. It's not like you can always codify that to, to make it happen that way. So um, I think to kind of tie it up in terms of, um, you know, um, you know, what, what 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 bring makes a collective a DAO is kind of having those pieces in place, but also, of course, uh, a belief system for that uh, community. I um I have this uh, kind of joke about DAOs at this stage, even 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 though we're we're increasingly more sophisticated, is that the the nature of the DAO is to try and organize people, and people are very hard to organize. So at times it feels like you're working on a disorganized anarchical organization. That's how I would translate DAOs into some of the, the cases that I've seen. But I like where you went with the uh, requirements to consider a DAO, a DAO, Connor. What other criteria we've seen? Because obviously, you know, they, there, there has to be an on-chain component. There has to be a group of people. Um, there's voting involved. What else a DAO can uh, help organize in, in a sense of a community? Koki, do you have any... Any other criteria you would add to that? Yeah, so I would actually break it down to, I believe DAOs, components of DAOs, there are four, um, and then there's a secret fifth. So as Connor said, treasury, you know, managing a group bank account, uh, voting, that's for people, governance, deciding what you're going to do, choosing your roadmap, you know, choosing your adventure as it were, uh, a chat function of some description, right? So that your community can interact with each other and with the core team um, and with contributors, and then a blog. So blog is meant broadly to be anything for public-facing communication. Most use Twitter or Farcaster, um, and then Mirror and Substack and Medium, whatever it is, just you have to have something for public-facing communication. Uh, my secret fifth component to, to a DAO is empathy. Um, psychological safety is an integral part of a functioning DAO. Otherwise, how are you going to do anything? <laughs> like, how can you expect people to work together um, and exist in a flat structure where there's not an element of psychological safety? So I always say that this is like the fifth but most important tenet of a DAO, because otherwise, anarchy. <laughs> I, I like that. And I think we might want to drill into the whole personal um, side of DAOs and psychological, because one of the potentials of DAOs is actually bring together people from uh, unrepresented, underrepresented populations and other communities. Um, are we actually seeing that happen? Because there's a pseudonymous component to crypto everywhere, and that obviously filters out a number of potential prejudices and challenges in that aspect. What are we seeing in, in this space that actually helps bridge into underrepresented populations into the world of crypto? Yeah, um, I think so. Just as you said, there's it's hard to get the data, right? We have a lot of anons. We you can't really tell, and that should theoretically filter out what could be bigotry. Um, but, and I'm speaking obviously as an underrepresented person myself. I'm an immigrant. I'm a woman. My skin is brown. You know, if you can't see me because this is a podcast, but that's what I'm dealing with here. Um, but I think there's been a couple of different efforts to kind of bridge that gap and bring more underrepresented folks into Web3. Uh, Boys Club and SheFi are both doing incredible work, uh, specifically built for women. 
Um, and then there are more and more and more appearing every day being sp- built specifically for particular minority groups to bring them into Web3, which is all very important work. But that said, I don't think that's the most important thing we can and are doing. Um, I go back to my earlier point. Empathy is a core component of a DAO and creating psychological safety should be the core ambition of every DAO because that's actually really the best way to bring underrepresented folks into your community. And one of the most important things to remember here is that communities thrive on a shared mission, but that shared mission cannot be financial incentives because people get really ugly when number go down. Um, when number go up, everyone's friends. When number go down, everyone's not friends anymore. Uh, so there needs to be a core competency to your DAO that is specifically about something that's not number go up. Uh, it needs to be, hey, we all share a love of football for like, you know, Wagme United or, uh, you know, we all love to buy the Constitution for some particular reason because it's funny. Having a shared goal, a shared mission, whether that's super, super lofty and and important or really, really dumb, I don't care, but it can't be the financial incentive. And that's how you create at least the beginnings of psychological safety to start bringing underrepresented folks more to the forefront here in Wexford. I was just going to say, it's it's interesting how like when DAO, when people think about DAOs, they think about them as being completely flat and like self-governing, but it takes, you know, some either person or small group of people as the leaders to actually create what that mission is and instill the principles around it. Uh, And so it's almost like it's, it's this element of progressive decentralization where you can't start just entirely decentralized where everyone's at a group check because there's, there's no direction. You have to have someone that sets the goal, but then is willing to, you know, give up control to let other people participate in it. And so is there like a new element of like DAO leadership that is emerging that people are learning that is different than starting a company where you might have control over every decision that happens? Yeah, I actually have a lot of things to say here. This is where I become the harshest version of the critic. Um, So Connor, (laughs) if you have a better take that's kinder, well, you should speak next because I go really hard. So, um, I say this, I think, every single time I speak in public, but DAOs focus on decentralizing the wrong things, um, and they make them more inefficient, right? So we have DAOs that spend hours and hours every month with the goal of decentralizing their payroll, and then they run out of steam and can't really do anything else uh, for their communities because they're so focused on decentralizing non-core functions. So they basically become events companies. Um, I tweet about this a lot. I'm constantly mad about this. Decentralizing essentially back office functions serves no one. Like, yeah, you might have a larger team, but the odds are is you pay them less and less effectively than if they just had a, a regular job, right? Um, I always come off sounding like, uh, I always feel like the mean babysitter because I, I try to remind us that we, we've learned so many good things from Web 1 and Web 2. We can take pieces of those. And the thing we learned in Web 2 is that the best products are built by small, hyper-focused teams. Having 40 people half-engaged working on your core product feels massively inefficient to me, especially when you're spending 50% of your time trying to figure out basic ops. So when we talk about DAOs, yeah, we always have this like beautiful, idealistic vision of like there's voting and no one's the leader. But actually, great products need leadership. Great products need decisiveness. And we saw it when we built the beginnings of the startups that that turned into the unicorns of Web 2, right? Uh, great products need focused, dedicated people. Uh, 
and, and great DAOs are going to be no exception. It's, it's kind of why my, my broad theory here is that DAOs are going to get smaller and smaller every year, dwindling to about 50-person DAOs uh, in the next five. DAOs need to be effective and doing the emotional labor for 500 members is really hard. Taxing. Do you have a milder angle to this, Connor? <laughs> so, well, I, I, th I think it's, it's a really good point, though, because it kind of comes down to, you know, what is the genesis of the DAO? You know, is, is it a collective? And I mean, in terms of, of a specific DAO, right? Is, is it like a collective of people getting together because they have a shared belief in you know, a mission and they, they're sharpening that mission and then they go from there? Or where we've seen quite a lot of the, I guess, the, some of the better known DAOs emerge, it's that you've got a Web3 protocol or project that has transitioned into a DAO type structure. Certainly, I think two of the you know, very well-known examples here would be the um, ENS or the Ethereum name service, and then also Uniswap as well. These were both organizations that moved to a DAO structure, then airdropped a load of tokens to their users to incentivize them to, to get involved, and um, then kind of gone on, continued there. Now, the whole incentivization mechanism in terms of creating these tokens that's meant to help govern the DAO, but then uh, you know, probably half the users at least will end up flipping those tokens because they see it as a quick way to get some some money, um, or the tokens just you know massively exceed what they ever thought they could be worth. So you know, the incentives are slightly skewed still at the moment. But the point is, is that you have very profitable, well-functioning um, Web3 protocols with those specific examples anyway. Not, not all of them have been the same sort of success story um, and, and and there what you what you really have is this this DAO is um, you know, certainly in the case of uh, ENS for instance they allocate a certain pot of money in order to pay the core development team um, called True Names who in effect created the protocol and everything else and so in that respect you still have that original team who were able to execute and create this incredibly valuable product in the first place continuing to work in that way but they've got a proven track record by that point because the protocol got really big, got lots of users, started to just make money and like like a business. And so it's, it's, it's quite a different sort of proposition to when you're kind of bootstrapping it from the perspective of here's our, our mission, because it's at that point, it's much more like just kind of a startup, right? In terms of you're trying to find product market fit. And, um, you know, if, if you have like, uh, as, as, as you're saying, Koki, uh, um, you know, 40 people who are kind of working part-time on this around their day-to-day -day responsibilities, it's going to be hard to you know, get that product market fit and momentum unless all of a sudden, like, they can find it and magically find enough funds to get everyone to quit their jobs and dedicate themselves to it full-time. Actually, uh, just on your point, I'm going to continue being the naysayer here today. Um, just on your point, ENS did do an outstanding job moving to a DAO. They did do an outstanding job moving from small product-focused company to community-led. Uh, the airdrop was really, really, really excellently done. But they forgot one thing, which was the, the secret fifth component of a DAO, which was empathy. Because shortly thereafter, one of their core team members uh, did a homophobia and then doubled down, and he's still there. There's no getting rid of that now. He still owns tokens. He's still working as part of the DAO. A lot of people move to remove their votes from him, but he still sits there every single day getting paid. So, like, yeah, they did a really nice job. And then, and then we have this 
horrifying, disgusting. We don't want to talk about a human factor. Um, it would be so much easier if we were just all code, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, which kind of brings us to kind of our next kind of stage on this discussion, which is the, the challenges, right? I mean, we're mm. we're talking about, you know, the construct, the technology, the factors, but there are still challenges that when we think about the consumers who are learning about this, they need to take that into account. So if you're if you're an individual that has not yet crossed paths with a DAO and you run into this, these are kind of some of the challenges that you're going to be facing, not only in terms of the construct itself, but there are other pain points and challenges that even for understanding what the DAO is. So I'm going to just, I'll, I'll pass it on to you for, for, for uh, you know, move us through this, uh, Kai, but why are we not talking about these shortcomings of DAO more openly? What do you think that is, Kai? I, I think one one place to, to start that's helpful for me on the challenges are like, what infrastructure exists today that DAOs depend on? And is it good enough to be able to, for humans to come in and create really interesting products and communities? Or are the tools not really there? And, and I feel like you could argue both sides. So when I think about a DAO, I think about a Gnosis safe uh, snapshot, like uh, voting and polling uh, and Discord being like the three main tools. And for an average consumer, figuring out how to manage Discord, you know, coming into like the sea of notifications can be a challenge. Gnosis safes, you know, can can be a little stressful trying to, to set up. Uh, and so it's like, we're still very early in these primitives. But what, what do you think, starting Connor, like, are there enough tools today? Are there too many people focused on tools and not enough people building DAOs on top of them? Or are the tools too immature to be able to create the next generation of DAOs that, that can really scale and, and have an impact? I think that it still comes back to that classic problem that we have throughout Web3, which is just around the, the, the end user experience here in terms of you know, if, if you're engaging with the public, uh, any of the public blockchain network ecosystems, there's a lot at stake for people in terms of the, the figuring out crypto custody, even if they are using like a, you know, a, a hardware wallet or a ledger, um, it's it, it's still complex. Um, if they make a mistake, maybe if they were su super naive and they had an incredibly generous community in their DAO, and you know someone might be willing to you know, rec um, compensate them if, if if they lost funds. But I think you know we we still have these these real friction points with just the basic stuff there, and so. Um, you know, I think I think the reality of um, you know how most people are likely to get into it at this point in time is going to be that you know, there's there's a Web three project um, that they're really interested in, and they I don't know, they they own some tokens and then start digging down further from that. Or maybe they um, you know they they invest in an NFT and then there's like a community around that and a DAO gets formed and those are kind of things things that pull them in, but. Um, I think the you know if if you think about how today the majority of communities the, the really strong communities exist online now you know Web three and crypto there, there are massive communities there already but if you think about your average person online um, 
they're probably not going to actually engage that much in Twitter. They're going to maybe read a bit of information from it, maybe engage a little bit with LinkedIn. I'd say Reddit is probably still, you know, where you have very passionate, strong communities. Whilst it's not full of you know DAO communities there, I think for your average person, um, that's probably going to be a stronger draw using the kind of traditional Web two stuff, um, unless they start to really get pulled down the rabbit hole of Web three. But I, I don't think they'd have a reason to do that unless you know some burning interest in NFTs or um, some people they meet who kind of help show them the ropes. Um, you know, appear to help with those the, the, the onboarding friction. So, Koki, do you think that the Web Web two communication tools will continue to be the dominant way to organize and then connecting in web three, you know, multi-sigs, you know, as the bank account, or do you need web three communication tools? Like I'm really interested to see what happens with wallet to wallet messaging. You know, if you could actually have protocols where you can, you know, send a message to every crypto punk holder, it could be easier to communicate with some existing communities that are already forming versus you know, finding a Discord group and like, are these actually people have been token gated? It, it feels like we're kind of several steps removed from a social multiplayer way to use Web3 informing the community. Yeah, so I think let's let's first start with what is today, right? So on the on your first point, like, let's look at the actual technology we're using to build blockchains. Where I hate to tell you this, we're using AWS. You use AWS that links into a uh, into your Gnosis safe or whatever multi-sig you're using. That multi-sig is then supported and held in front end, which you probably wrote in Next.js or React or whatever the du jour is. Uh, most of your technology as it spans on the back end is pretty trad, and that's okay, right? Like, let's use what works, not what doesn't work yet. Um, in terms of when it comes to chat and messaging, I actually have a note here uh, in my show notes. Uh, that says the following discord is like the worst tool man ever built. It's not fit for purpose and it doesn't aim to be given that discord is pretty publicly indifferent to web three. So if you go into discord and everything's firing, you get stressed and you leave. And then when you come back and try to read the announcements, you have no idea what anyone's talking about because no there's no, sh- no shared knowledge, no shared lore and no shared mythology. Um, So let me tell you how DAOs actually operate. We have all these beautiful Web3 tools that just got major funding. God bless them. Uh, In four to five years, very excited to use them. In the meantime, DAOs use Notion. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) DAOs use Notion. And that's not the end of the world. I think token gating is all well and good, but actually what you're trying to do is create a, a Sherpa almost of bringing more people into your community because ultimately growth is important uh, or it may be important to you. Uh, and you need to make that transition pretty seamless. So I hear you on wallet to wallet messaging. Uh, my, as kind of a last point, I know we're jumping all over the place here. Uh, on wallet to wallet messaging, kind of my thinking here is that I have, I'm a firm believer that wallets, even today are email. Think of wallets as email. Uh, you have like your your important tab, your promotions tab, your spam. Uh, and I'm sure this is happening to you guys too, but I probably get dropped one to two spam NFTs every single day just because of the nature of having a weird name and being public on Twitter, I assume. So I think uh, I kind of think of wallets as email and I think of the dedication of wallets going forward to be email, uh, having sorted folders, having uh, permissions around who can send and, and not send you things and then communications from your community. Um, but it's, it's, 
been a big challenge for DAOs to have that like shared space, right? So they're all using Notion for the most part. Um, but it's actually not the space that's the problem. We'll figure that out. Tooling always comes together. It's what we're saying and how we're using the space. So instead of saying we're a DAO to do, I don't know, we're like a DAO that like, I don't know, decides on DeFi principles. I don't know. You, you get me. We're a DAO that does whatever. Um, it's how are you creating the mythology and the lore to bring people together and to create a shared understanding and a shared history that can be further shared, right? So how do you create almost, uh, how do you turn your community into evangelists and how do you create uh, comms that actually tell a narrative and not this is what it is? Um, that's where we're finding in Web3 generally has been a major, major, major problem that we're, we have the Renaissance and we don't have the Da Vinci is essentially where I'm going here. Um, so wallet-to-wallet messaging, while very interesting for communities you're already in, uh, and I definitely look forward to hearing, to getting all the messages from the DickBuck community. Uh, I, I don't think the tooling is the problem. It's the storytelling, the narrative, and the lore. Super interesting. And then for, do you see like DAO, maybe Connor, do you see DAOs today that are focused on bringing new consumers into crypto for the first time? Like it feels like a DAO experience today is like, like an advanced crypto web three experience, the number of things that you have to have, like, have you found ones that, you know, there's someone who hasn't interacted with crypto at all and their first crypto interaction is participation in a DAO. And so it becomes more of an on-ramp rather than an advanced you know, mode once you've been in the space. Does that exist yet today? So I can't be sure uh, if, if it does, if, if someone's already ha has that, Koki might have an idea on it, but certainly I, the, the one on-ramp that I do see a lot of, um, a lot of crypto exchanges say having is like the um, Coinbase is big on this, where they have their earn program, where you can go through sort of educational pieces and earn tokens, which uh, I think you know, that, that, is, that is like a good starting point in terms of giving someone a incentive to do some learning and then come out with something there. Um, now, the, the Web3 uh, world is full of projects that reward users who engage with them. So you know, these jump off points can be... Uh, you're great for something so much bigger, but specifically for DAOs, uh, I have no idea myself. Right. Koki, I'll just ask if you, you happen to. Yeah, so we see a lot of, uh, you know, I talked about Boys Club and Shifi. They do, you get, you start in a DAO, but obviously not an, in any on-chain function and they help educate you up to whatever their goal is. So I think Boys Club was like, buy your first NFT. Um, but I find that most Web3 education is actually lacking uh, some of that lore I was just talking about as well. So Web3 education right now basically has your end game of onboarding as consumption. You've bought something. NFT, you've bought tokens, you've, you've done something. But it's always about buying. Uh, that doesn't make sense if the point is the future of the world, which I am very firm that Web3 is. So if the point is the future of work, if that's what you're building, shout out myself. Um, if you're building the future of work, the first thing someone does with you can't be an interaction where they pay for it. That's crazy, right? That doesn't make sense. And you would never see it anywhere else. I think what we need is almost this like base camp layer of, hey, here's how you use Coinbase. Here's how you use Kraken. Here's how you use a centralized exchange. 
now that kind of Coinbase Earn is, is a really interesting one, it's, or Coinbase Learn, I should say, is a really interesting one because it helps you get to that next place. But it's always about consumption and never about values and ethos and lore. So how do we create how do we create a place that actually makes sense that the first act isn't about putting your, you know, putting your card on the table, essentially, you don't go to a restaurant that you want to try and immediately hand them your credit card, right? Um, So that first act can't be solely about consumption. And um, you have to give people a good reason to put their hard earned money here. You have to give them a reason and to give them a reason what you need to do is world build. So uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fucking crypto. You guys are nerds too. Um, <laughs> my one of my favorite things to do right now. I'm spending a lot of time, all of my free time, basically reading fantasy to go back to the tenets of world building. How do we build a world that seems put together but interesting, but fragmented, but there's challenges, but there's growth, but there's opportunity that's appealing to the consumer, and then on top of it, easy to use, right? Yeah, su- super interesting. And like finding ways for people to come in and contribute without having to then go and buy something. And that's one of the things that got me excited about, you know, the, the concept of DAOs is mm-hmm. it's almost like just as a an opportunity to get experience in the industry without having to get permission and to get an internship and to convince someone to let you into their office. It's like you can actually be in the boardroom and you can be participating in a discussion, even passively, and learning from people who've been in the space. Uh, and so, Mauricio, what what have you seen in terms of like for a listener of the show, if they want to, you know, get some experience of what it's like to be in a DAO or how DAOs operate? Like, where where do you start? You can't just download Discord and like. There's no discovery aspect of DAOs in in the market that I've I've seen that's that's been easy to do. Yeah, I think. In the current space, the way we're set up, DAO is a like Web3 advanced play. Um, I would hope that we will find, say, an education DAO where you manifest interest, say, on Twitter, and they airdrop you a token so you can start joining the gated access and get access to the lore. I just wanted to say lore. Um, <laughs> on, Sorry, on, guys, my nerd keeps showing. Exa- that's, <laughs> uh, we love nerds. Um, so, and I, th- and I think that's one mechanism, right? When we say that to participate in DAOs, there's a consumption aspect to enter. Well, Web3 has resolved that with airdrops already, right? So if you're a candidate to a DAO, if you're interested, you can be airdropped a token that gives you access to, say, Basecamp Layer 1 to get to know what the DAO does and what the story is and how to interact. So I think that's uh, because Web3 is over-financialized, and we know it is because the nature of crypto is financialized, uh, we have that kind of barrier to entry, which is you have to buy a token to get into the door, but I think Web3 itself has resolved that already. So it's just a matter of how to implement that in ways that are conducive to learning um, to a wider uh, audience. Because if we want to make sure that Web3 is for everyone, it cannot be this jargonized and hard to get the way it is right now. And it will be upon the builders right now to actually create the bridges, not those crypto bridges, the bridges to people uh, to get into this space with the mechanisms we have today, right? Because it's it's not guaranteed that we're going to um, be able to onboard all the people that could be onboarded without actually using the tools that we're currently building. So I think that's one of the things that 
uh, are missing in this space that will give more people, more consumers the ability to actually go and, and learn with hands-on, which is the best way to learn in Web3 anyway. So before Laura kicks us in the teeth, we are going to stop for a quick break uh, and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibility, and Visa is helping everyone take part. Visa enables commerce across their network and crypto networks through solutions like FinTech FastTrack, a quick and easy way for crypto innovators to issue payment credentials. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. Welcome back. Now that we've covered uh, DAO and challenges, let's look into the future. So we spoke about the these challenges, and there's got to be some things in the way that are solving them. So, Connor, in your experience, what are you seeing in the world of DAOs that are starting to bridge these challenges and also make them more palatable to regular consumers? So, I think we've still got a way to go. However, uh, for looking to you know, further time horizons of where we, we will get to. Um, certainly, uh, you, you guys might have mentioned it before, but Balahi uh, uh, Sirivasan's uh, Network State book, he talks about this whole idea of, in some respects, what's kind of the evolution of a DAO where you have you know, what starts off as a DAO where you have a mission and um, people forming around maybe you know, a, a founder or founding team. And then as it grows, it can ultimately through a number of stages get to the 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 potential end goal of actually having uh, you know recognition as a state in its own right so it's it's fascinating to think of it from more from a thought experiment in terms of how far could a DAO go if really successful could it you know, become as powerful as um, you know not a large nation state but certainly a, a small one there so it, it it's an interesting sort of experiment but i think more more broadly there's there's something very fundamental about DAOs, which is why i think they're um you know it's so fascinating and that is as uh, koki was talked about in the intro with their relationship to companies there is no reason why in the long run we can't have large numbers of businesses using a DAO type operating model. You think about, say, any um, here in the UK, right? Web3 Labs is, is domiciled in the UK. Um, we have certain responsibilities with respect to Companies House, which is like the government organization that maintains a registry of companies. We also have responsibilities to the inland revenue, collect taxes. And I can envisage this future. I'm not talking probably five years. It's you know much further out, given that you know, tax has only just gone digital in the UK. We've probably probably got a while to go. But um, you know what what really excites me is that you know with with this information that could be stored on chain or representing a company, you have the potential to make available information which has to be. You know, disclosed um, by companies manually and do that automatically by revealing re relevant information about your business to the relevant authorities in, in an ongoing basis that so kind of moves to more of a, a real-time type model and whilst that's a long way from where we are right now I kind of see that as the bigger picture sort of end goal for DAOs because they are the future of companies in our sort of on-chain on existence but it is going to take a while to get there. 
I love that concept and, you know, the simplification or the super simplification of tax processes is, is like the holy grail of this thing that we're building because it's so annoying. So, Koki, uh, on, on, your, on your end, I mean, if, if a regular consumer, non-crypto native, but crypto curious wants to join it out, what would be the recommended steps so they can, you know, get the hang of it? So this is the advice I always give um, about joining your first DAO or getting involved in Web3 generally. And actually, Frank Rotman from QED wrote an entire essay about this after I gave him this lecture. Uh, it was Fintech a lot junkie. wiser. Yeah, it was a lot wiser than what essential word vomit I spit it out at him at that point. But here's my kind of be all end all. If you're going to get involved in Web3 in any way, and, and obviously DAOs being pertinent for today, um, Lean into the part of you that's very silly. Uh, I think you're never going to get excited about a DAO that's like boring or like somewhat work related or like saying that as a boring uh, founder of a work related organization. Um, <laughs> but you're never going to get super excited about that as your intro. There's obviously no wrong way to learn. But my kind of gut is always pick something funny or something you deeply care about that has nothing to do with the your day-to-day -day life. So uh, Constitution DAO was great for so many people because it was just so funny. Like, this is so stupid. What is the point? Like, that was a great entry point. Uh, Dickbutt DAO for me was also huge because obviously I love my dickbutts. Um, and I, I think following your funny, following the silly or something you're really interested in. Again, I, I mentioned, you know, like Wagme United earlier. Uh, I keep using that one as my reference point because my husband is a major Arsenal fan uh, and I have to watch it every week. So that's how I onboarded him into Web3. Um, so I, I think following something you're intensely passionate about or you think is very, very silly is a great way to onboard and, and actually probably the only way. My, my advice here is, Obviously, pick something that makes you laugh, pick something you care about, and then dedicate yourself only to that DAO while you get the lay of the land. Uh, be a sponge at all times, but be critical, but only if you're willing to jump in and help, because that's how you're really, really going to see how things work. Uh, what we need is a lot fewer pundits and a lot more actionable critics. We have all your favorites on Twitter are essentially... Uh, talking about the thing they no longer understand or do because they bowed out to write blog posts about it. Uh, don't be an, don't be an inactionable critic, go get your hands dirty a little bit. Uh, and if you're getting your hands dirty over something really dumb, actually you might find something that, Hey, maybe this could be a little better. or Maybe actually this is really working and it'll help you get involved and it'll help you understand what you're essentially signing up for. Um, and probably have some kind of financial aligned with. So that's always my advice to the to the layman. Yeah, the point of embracing like the inner like silliness, I think is so important because it's DAOs seem like they're almost this opportunity to have like a fantasy job that you would never actually have, but like something you're passionate about. So I think about like record labels of, I would never be a record label executive. I wouldn't be qualified for it. Like I, I wouldn't be able to do it, but like I like listening to music. So wouldn't it be fun to like have a pseudo label, some friends that you vote on and decide like what songs you promote. And I feel like fantasy sports provides a similar thing. We're seeing some things with media and entertainment where you can kind of be a kid with your friends organizing, you know, some type of activity that you're passionate about. Uh, and then the other thing I'm, I'm really excited to see is DAOs being 
set up specifically to organize real world spaces. Uh, so there's some really interesting projects happening with uh, like city DAOs. You know, in Oakland, there's a project in, mm -hmm. in East Oakland organizing community of residents who live there and then helping them have tools to make decisions that impact you know their community. Uh, there's a DAO called Miami Tech Runs that's doing pickup basketball and just organizing runs of like, you know, when are you playing? What are the activities around it? And so being able to find things that have some root in reality instead of only being online, I think it's it, it can be a tool to organize physical space. I love that. And the fact that we're trying to bridge real world with the digital world through Web3 is something that I think it's going to have a big impact in society in general so we can create proper incentives. So I think that ends the show on a really high note. And if you're interested in learning more about DAOs, do as our guest said, just get your hands dirt. And yeah, go go find something to play with. Embrace the inner silliness. That's that's great. So guys, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people find more about you and your companies, uh, Connor? So... Best bet is uh, Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, it's just Connor Svensson. Um, likewise, the company, you can Google search for Web3 Labs. If you search for my name or my company name, they're both pretty easy to find. We don't have any duplicates. So uh, yeah, ch ch check out those. They're NFTs. Awesome. Koki, how about you? Uh, I'm basically, I think I'm the only person on the planet named Koki Hasiotis. Take your best shot into Google and you will find me. Uh, I'm at Koki Hasiotis on Twitter, at Koki on Farcaster. And my company, Twali, can be found on Twitter and at T-W-A-L-I dot X-Y-Z. Uh, feel free, shameless plug, come join us. Lovely. Kai? On Twitter at Kai Sheffield and Visa.com slash crypto. And you can find me at Xerox Mauricio on Twitter, Mauricio Magaldi on LinkedIn, and obviously 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We have lots in the works, and we're so excited to be talking about crypto and blockchain with you again. If you can't wait until the next episode, take a look at the many, many previous episodes and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join a conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts11fs.com. This is all for today. Stay rare, stay weird. LFG.